Good morning. If you would uh, bow with me in prayer and then we're going to open God's word together. Lord, we thank you for this glorious day that you have created. Uh, We thank you that we can gather together here as your people. We thank you for this place you've provided. We thank you that we can worship uh, in freedom, that we can freely proclaim your name without the fear of persecution. And for all these things, we thank you. We pray this morning that as we open your word, as we spend time thinking about who you are, and what you've done for us, your amazing grace and your unfailing love that you would just meet us in this place, that you would lead and guide us in all truth. We just confess that anytime we open your word, that we are helpless without you. And so we ask that you would lead and guide us in all things, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds and help us to see clearly what you would have us to see this morning as we spend this time together. We pray all of it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I want to set your mind at ease right from the beginning, because if you open your bulletin, if you're somebody who actually reads the bulletin and looks at it, it does say there are two sermons. It says sermon one and then sermon two. And uh, there actually are. There's going to be two sermons. Uh, But those two sermons together, I think, are actually going to be shorter than usually my one sermon. And so at at least know that. Uh, What we're going to do this morning is something we haven't done before, but I've been wanting to do for a while. And so uh, what I'm going to do is just spend a little bit of time on two different songs that we sing regularly here as a body. And and, and the reason I'm going to do that and the reason I want us to think that way is if whether you've thought about it or not, the songs that we corporately sing together as we gather together for worship on Sunday morning are a part of the teaching ministry of this church. Uh, Oftentimes you'll leave humming or singing or thinking of the words that we sang. And maybe you remember that far more than even anything I said. And so those parts of what we sing together are very important in in what God calls us to do. He tells us as we gather together for worship that we're to preach the word, to proclaim it, we're to pray, uh, we're to sing songs corporately, to encourage one another, to sing praises to God. And then we're to uh, take communion of the Lord's Supper together and we're to celebrate baptism as needed. Those are the things God positively requires and tells us to do when we gather together. And so singing is a big part of that that we do. And so what I want to do this morning is just to think on a couple of the songs that we sing. One's a very new song that we've been singing for the last couple of years. And then one's a little bit older song that we've been singing as long as I've been at this church and before I was here. But both of those are so full and rich in the theology and what they teach us. And so what we're going to do is these short sermons, and then I'm going to ask the guys to come back, and we're going to sing these songs. And hopefully, my hope in doing this is that as we think about what they teach and what they mean and what they're pointing us to, and then we stand and we get to sing those truths together, that our worship, our worship will be all that much more meaningful together this morning. And so with that said, I want to start. The first song we're going to look at is a song called Son of David. If you've been in this church any length of time, you've probably heard it. We sing it pretty regularly. It was a song written, I think, three or four years ago uh, by some guys at a worship team up at a church in Seattle, Washington. And so we've been singing it for a little while. But if you're not familiar with it, just look at the words there. They're actually printed in the bulletin if you want to follow along and look at it. But the song simply says this, the blind won't gain their sight by opening their eyes. A king is coming to his city and crowds surround are following. If I could see, I would follow too. He heals the sick with his hands. As he walks by, they reach for him. If I could see, I would reach out too. The blind won't gain their sight by opening their eyes. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, I want to see. Son of David, have mercy. I cannot leave this gate since I cannot see my way, but I can stand and call his name. 
No, I could never leave this gate, but I will stand and shout his name and I will count on his grace. Son of mercy, have son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, I want to see son of David, have mercy. I was blind. Now I see Jesus saved me. And so whether you're aware or you're not, some of you are, 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 I'm sure, fully aware But that actually comes to us from Mark chapter 10, if you'd like to turn there with me this morning. If you're using a pew Bible that looks like this one, it's on page 494. But in Mark chapter 10, it tells us this story that we sing in the song, Son of David. Uh, It's actually a, a song written kind of from the first person perspective of a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And it's found in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. And so let me just read that account to you this morning. And they came to Jericho and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, the he here being Jesus. He was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd uh, with with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And he called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. And so if you're not familiar with that story, it's the story of this this blind man named Bartimaeus. And I want you to think just for a second, the song that we sing and the way we talk about it. And and as we think about it this morning, it's written from Bartimaeus' perspective. And so I want you to try to get yourself in his shoes for just a second. Bartimaeus has heard of this Jesus of Nazareth as he's gone about and he's teaching and preaching and he's going from town to town and he's healing people. And as he goes, his fame is spreading. By the time we get to Mark chapter 10, Jesus is kind of at the height of his popularity. People are starting to know who he is. And Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming. Now, this is a man who was born blind, has been blind his whole life, who can't see And he hears about Jesus coming. And I want you to think about what we see here when we see this picture. Jesus comes into the town or it says he's leaving the town. Bartimaeus hears. Crowds are all gathered around. There's an excitement that he's here. But as a blind man who's been blind your whole life, how do you go find Jesus? You don't. Uh, He's at the... uh, He he can't get there. He, He can't see. He can't go find him. He doesn't know what Jesus looks like. He's heard about him. He's heard what he's doing. But there he is on the side of the road and the excitement and the people come. As a blind man, you can hear what's going on. You can hear the excitement. You can hear the crowds. You can you can hear what's happening, but you can't see any of it. And so Bartimaeus does the only thing he can think to do. He begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. He yells. He screams out. The term that he uses, son of David, is one that was ascribed to Jesus because he was believed to be the Messiah. And later we would see that he is the Messiah, the promised son of David that would come and restore God's kingdom. 
The promise that God gave to David, you will always have one on the throne. One of your descendants, descendants will be on the throne forever. It's the Davidic covenant. And so son of David was ascribed to Jesus because they believed he was the Messiah. And so Bartimaeus, in his belief that maybe, just maybe, this is the Messiah, starts to scream out, son of David, have mercy on me. And if you read in the passage there in Mark 10, he says that, and then it says in verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Can you imagine the scene? The crowd's coming by. This poor guy's over here on the side. He has no way to get to Jesus. All, that's all he's got is to yell out. And people are going, stop, be quiet, right? I, I'm sure there was some, you're making a fool of yourself. Cut it out. But he keeps yelling. It says when they say that, they tell him to be silent. He cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he's yelling it out. And I want you just to think about that scene. If you've spent your whole life blind, not being able to see, you've heard these stories of Jesus. You've heard what he's doing and where he's going and what he's saying. And people are being healed. And this is your chance. There would be almost a desperation of like, I just got to yell out here. I don't care what you guys say. I'm going to keep screaming. And so there he is on the side of the road as Jesus is coming by and he's yelling out. And then this incredible thing happens in verse 49. And Jesus stopped. He heard him. And he stopped and he said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him. Right. So they go over and they get him and they tell him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Can you imagine? This is your only hope. And you're screaming out, please, son of David, have mercy on me. And then somebody grabs you and they go, hey, he heard you and he wants you to come. And so he jumps up. He springs to his feet. It says, throwing off his cloak. And he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And it says, and he followed him on the way. And so I want you to think about that picture that's there. The picture of this man that desperately cries out, doesn't really have any other choice. And Jesus stops and he meets him there. And he says, you come, bring him over. And then he heals him. He can see. And it tells us at the end of the story, he now goes and follows Jesus. He follows him on the way. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace to this man, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar standing on the side of the road. And this song that we sing is that story, this incredible story of God's grace as he stops and he meets Bartimaeus where he is. He takes a leap of faith and yells out, makes a fool of himself, and God meets him right there and he heals him. And I want you to think about that incredible picture when we sing this song. But I also want you to consider that not only is this the story of Bartimaeus, it's your story and it's mine. If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, page 568, if you're using a Bible that looks like this. Or if it's your own, you're going to have to find it yourself. But From Mark, go to the right. <laughs> but Ephesians chapter 2, beginning... In verse 1, Paul's kind of giving a picture of who we are before faith in Christ, what God does, and then who we are after. And so just listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so just stop there for just a second. Paul uses a similar formula over and over. You see it in Colossians 1, Titus 3 comes to mind. This is who you are before you come to faith. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Paul uses that picture to paint a very descriptive thing of what spiritually is going on with each one of us before we come to faith in Christ. That apart from faith in Christ, we cannot please God. In fact, he says we're by nature children of wrath. That is, God's holy, righteous anger rests on us because of our sin. And he gives us a very clear picture of what that looks like here. Following our own desires, the desires of our flesh, doing the things that we want, ignoring God along the way. But I want you just to focus in on what he says there right at the beginning. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And so as we think about the story of Bartimaeus and what God does to to and for Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, and then we look at Ephesians 2 as it pertains to us, what can a dead man see? It's not a trick question. If you hadn't thought about it, a dead man's blind. He can't see at all. And so Paul says this is who we are in Ephesians 2. Apart from Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so we're just like Bartimaeus, spiritually speaking. We can't see anything. We can't do anything. But then I want you to see what Paul says in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so I want you to think about the picture of Bartimaeus. Why did Bartimaeus ever call out, son of David, Have mercy on me. Because Jesus came to that place and in that time and in this way, and he began to hear of what Jesus was doing and how he was healing people and proclaiming the kingdom and his fame spread. And by God's grace, Bartimaeus ever heard who Jesus was. And he said, maybe, just maybe this guy could heal me. Maybe if these stories are true, he could do this for me. And so by God's grace, Bartimaeus hears who Jesus is. But then how does he get to Jesus? He can't get to him. He can't see. He has no way to get there. So all he can do is stand and hold onto that fence and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love that he has for us, he saves us. It's the exact story that happens to Bartimaeus. I got nothing. All I know is I can't see. Please, son of David, have mercy on me. And God does. And he stops and he calls him. And he says, bring him here. He says, what do you want me to do? And you see just the beginning of Bartimaeus' faith. I want you to restore my sight. 
Can you think about what it would take to say that? You, you hear what he's saying. I believe you can do this. Would you restore my sight? And Jesus says, yes. Because of your faith, you have been made well. And go on your way. And then he begins to follow Jesus. That's exactly what Ephesians 2 tells us happened in our lives. Dead in our trespasses and sins. God, but God, with his great mercy, has caused us to become alive in Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. It is not your own doing. It is gift of God, not the results of work, so that no one may boast. Do you understand? When we sing Son of David, it's not just a story about Bartimaeus. That's my story. Blind and helpless on my own, all I can say is God have mercy on me, and he does. And we get to the end of that song and we get to sing together, I was blind and now I see Jesus has saved me. See the beautiful picture that is that we get to sing together when we come together each week? That we get to proclaim that together? And so I I want you to think about it two ways. I'm going to invite the guys, they're going to come and we're going to sing that together right now. If you're here today and you're like Bartimaeus, and you're still standing on the side, and you're thinking, maybe Jesus can do this, but I'm not sure. Would you consider singing this song as a prayer? Son of David, have mercy on me. Would you consider asking God to reveal himself to you that you would know and see who he truly is? But if you're here today, and you know Jesus, And you know that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And you know that you were blind and you can now see. Would you sing it the way Bartimaeus would sing it? I was blind and now I see Jesus has saved me. So let's stand and sing that together.
be seated. I was ready just to kind of rest in that. But the good news is we're going to talk about how deep the Father's love for just a minute. Uh, I think one of our favorites here, we sing it a lot, and we've sung it for a long time here. And there is so much rich, important things that it says in the song. And so just look at the words with me for just a second of how deep the Father's love. It says, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should send his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything no gifts, no power, nor wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. And so I want us to just think about that song for just a second. You know, we just talked about Son of David and God's grace and mercy. But God, being gracious and merciful, causes us to become alive in Jesus. And our part is we stand and just cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he takes us and he moves us from, uh, as Ephesians 2, by our nature, children of wrath, to now part of his family, loved and cherished. And he's going to continue to do good to us for all eternity. That a beautiful picture in Ephesians 2. But the question I want us to think about for just a second when we turn to how deep the Father's love is what does it cost God to do that and what exactly it is he does? And so if you would, look with me at 1 John uh, chapter 1. And so if your Bible looks like this one, it's 591. If you've got one of the other editions, it'll be close to 591. Uh, should get you close to it. 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, Jude, and then Revelation. That's the end of our Bible. And so if you get to the very back and kind of work your way back a little bit, you can find 1st John. So 1st John chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so I want you just to think for a second of what uh, John lays out for us. He just very clearly tells us that we're all sinners, every one of us. And if we say we're not sinners, that we're liars. It's a pretty straightforward it's a pretty hard truth that there in First John chapter 1. You are a sinner, and if you say you're not, you're lying. And the truth is not in you. That's, that's the picture that's there. And that can be kind of a hard reality to look at. But then there's really, really good news in the midst of this. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Yes, you are a sinner, That's all of us, 
But God has made a way to cleanse you from that sin by his son, Jesus. And you have that promise right there, he says. And then he says in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That he's going to deal with our sin and he's going to cleanse us and make us new and restore us to God. But when you start to look at verse 9, and this dawned on me not all that long ago as I was wrestling with this. This is one of the memory verses I do with the boys. We do 1 John 1, 9 a lot in our house. <laughs> There's a lot of sins happening. <laughs> a lot of things that need to be addressed and then we follow up. But if we confess our sins... And we come back to this over and over because it's a beautiful promise. But there's a picture there in the midst of it, almost a tension in verse 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. And I want you to think just for a second what it means that God's just. It's perfect justice. And God is perfect righteousness. And because God is perfect and holy in every way, all sin has to be dealt with. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. People will say that today. It's a common objection. Why didn't Jesus or why didn't God just to forgive all of us? But why does the cross have to come into this? Why is there all this stuff? Why can't God just forgive and move on? Because God is perfect justice. He's perfect love and he's perfect mercy, but he's also perfectly just in every way. And so that means for God to continue to be God, sin has to be dealt with. If God just says, I'll just sweep it under the rug and we'll forget about it, then he's no longer just. I want you to think, if you went to a a court case, a murderer is on trial and they've killed several people and they say, yes, I did it. I confess. Imagine you're the offended family sitting there and you hear the murderer confess and say, yes, I did it. And the judge goes, okay, well, I forgive you. You can go free. You go, oh, wait a second. That's not justice. We would be offended by that. We go, that can't work that way. We know that even in our sinful selves and God's holiness that is perfect in every way. He knows that times infinite. And so sin must be dealt with. And so when you read 1 John 1, 9, and it says we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You go, how does that work? That's what I've been asking. How can that work? How can he do that? How can he forgive us when we who, like Ephesians 2 says, are by nature children of wrath because we've offended a holy, perfect God? You hear me say this frequently. All sin is against God. Sin is ultimately God is the offended one. Other people get hurt by it, but sin is ultimately against God. And so when we sin against God and we ignore him and we say, I've got this and I'll do that on our own, God's righteous anger and justice rests on us. That's who we are apart from Christ. By nature, children of wrath. Ephesians 2 that we just looked at. So how can that work? How can it be if we just confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? If you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Page 562. It looks like this one. This is a fourth passage, so I'm trying to give you numbers to get you there. Sword drill, right? We're going to do that. Second Corinthians 5, who's got it? You didn't grow up in a Baptist church, if you, you missed that. 
Wednesday night youth group. Poor girl. I only won one of those once ever, so that makes you feel better. <laughs> 